D.C. Attorneys at Law. It's not that I was an ego freak or anything, but I did get a little twinge in my stomach each morning when I saw that sign. During law school, I had clerked for a large Dallas law firm and had been awed by how the firm's partners were treated. Their time was so precious that no one dared interrupt them unless it was a matter of utmost importance. Most of them wielded enormous power, and they all pulled down incredible salaries. But of all the partners, only a few had their names as part of the firm's official title. This was the epitome of success. I prayed some day I'd reach that lofty position. My prayers were answered more quickly than I could have ever expected. During law school, I had a job selling life insurance for Prudential Life Insurance Company. It was the only job I could find at the time. They gave me extensive training in estate planning and marketing, which proved to be invaluable once I graduated. The small firm of Rogers and Phillips hired me to handle their clients' estate planning needs, but when I discovered they didn't have a marketing plan, I volunteered to develop one for them. It was a brash move on my part since I knew little about marketing a law firm, but I figured something was better than nothing. After careful thought, it occurred to me that the problem with lawyers was that most clients would only come in to see them when they were in trouble or thought trouble was lurking on the horizon. Obviously going to the lawyer under these circumstances was dreaded and avoided if at all possible. Consequently, it was common for a client to see his attorney but once or twice during his lifetime, if he were lucky. I had to do something about that. My plan envisioned bringing clients into the firm's offices on a regular basis so that a close relationship with them could be developed. Being very familiar with the attorneys in the firm, I reasoned, they wouldn't be so reluctant to call us if the need arose. We brought them in for parties, seminars, or just to ask for their advice on how to better serve them. The clients loved being pampered, and consequently my marketing plan was a big success. It was so successful, in fact, I was made a partner in less than three years. After stopping by the kitchen for some coffee, I headed for my office where I sat down and began scanning the financial section of the paper. Unfortunately, I still hadn't accumulated any money to invest. With big monthly payments on my student loans, the wedding, the unexpected funeral, food, clothing and auto insurance to name just a portion of the outflow of cash, I was doing well just to break even. I took a deep breath and contemplated the bonus that had been promised me once I made partner. $35,000 was a lot of money, more money than I could imagine having at one time. It didn't seem possible that in less than ten days I'd have it in the bank. Soon I could discard my fantasy portfolio of securities and actually play for real. At eight o'clock I was glad to hear my secretary, Susie Hoffman, rummaging around in her desk— I needed a cup of coffee, and I knew she'd be bringing me one soon. Susie was a great secretary. Not only was she competent and dependable, but she was always in a good mood, laughing and joking about everything and everybody. It was hard to be depressed around her because she was always smiling and would invariably have me laughing at her silly jokes and antics. I can't imagine how I'd have survived that first year after Paula's death without her. Susie walked into my office gingerly carrying a cup of coffee so as not to spill it. "'Hi, boss,' she said. She wasn't a woman's liber like some of the girls in the office, thank God. I liked being pampered. We chatted a minute like we did every day until it was time to get down to business. "'So what's on tap today?' I asked. "'Oh, you don't know? Today's your lucky day. Franklin Fox is coming in to see you at nine. "'Who's he?' 
He's an old client, a high roller who blew his daddy's fortune. He acts like he's a billionaire, but I seriously doubt he's even solvent. I take it by the tone of your voice you don't like him much, I said. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind having his children. He's a great-looking guy, but he's a little on the flaky side. I laughed. If he's a typical rich kid, he probably doesn't appreciate money or have a clue how to make it. Well, he does know how to spend it. You may end up doing his bankruptcy one of these days. So what am I doing for him today? He needs to do some estate planning. We did his divorce last year, and he's just finally getting around to changing his will and setting up a trust for his daughter. Oh, part of the divorce settlement? No, he got custody of his daughter, Susie said. That's unusual. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I don't think his wife Carmen asked for custody. Why did they get a divorce? I asked. Franklin came from a rich family and Carmen was poor. She was a waitress at Franklin's country...